Welcome to episode 7 of the Light Podcast on the 25th of November, coming to you from the dark and wintry North London on a Saturday night. Um, you're here with myself, Ben. And Josh. Where we look to shine a light on the latest news from the week and dig into some deeper topics and hopefully help, help in, enlighten your lives. So, let's dig straight into it because there is a lot to go through this week. A, a lot happened. And peculiarly, right, a lot of it is in the UK as well. I didn't have to venture out to the rest of the world. <laughs> so, where we start? We're starting in... Um... Let's, let's start with that, the magical merry-go-round, because we might as well make it our first topic of the week every week. Okay, so, <laughs> so, you, so um, people that, are, that are, have been listening to our podcast um, know that we talk about Brexit um, at the beginning of the podcast. And this week, um, this week, Europe, um, Tusk came out. Like I said last week, and given um, the UK two weeks to f- um, get the. Well, he did that two weeks ago, and then he did it again last week. Yeah, and <laughs> he's given them two weeks to get themselves in order. Uh, but it's a bit weird because you, you, from from we're getting two we're getting two conflicting sides. So from Tusk and May, it seems that talks are progressing. They're they're a bit more positive. However, when you read into the details, you're seeing that progress is still very far away well to be honest you can't really read into the details because nobody can get into the room of what's going on so they're having these meetings the the news coming out or the 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 rumbles coming out i don't well actually to be fair it's not so donald tusk and mate may slightly more pushes the we're making good progress yeah tusk then pulls her back from her balloon going into space and says come back down to earth please yeah and says we're making progress but there's still major challenges to overcome if we can move to talks in December, which, as we mentioned before, is essential because if we don't get them, if we don't move to trade talks, then then we're going to be going into March, right? Now we've covered that in, in previous shows. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the difference here is... Uh, so the, the big change this week is that Theresa May has come out and said, right, she's willing to increase what we're going to pay ultimately for the divorce bill, which previously yeah. was $20 billion. Now we're suggesting... We're going to make it 40 billion. Yeah. Suggestion is that actually the EU want more. But, well, the, well the, the position that everybody's coming in from is we'll increase it to 40 billion, but we won't make a formal offer until you start trade talks, yeah. which is fine because they, they, they're actually the EU aren't asking for a specific number. They're just asking for some form of commitment. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like right now we're just trying to play poker on who's going to bluff first, right? Because us saying that, I. I the problem we've got is if you pay the 40 billion, then arguably we're paying their ransom, right? They've yeah. told us they want more and there's no real way to go around this that doesn't look like we're bound to their ransom. Yeah. Now, you've got some people out there who said, oh, I heard some guy on um, an interview, as this, I was researching earlier, and I heard him on an interview on the BBC and he said, oh, I thought that the UK government doesn't pay ransoms. Well, it's not really that, is it, dude? Like, we were committed to certain projects yeah. that have been invested in for the EU yeah. whilst we were part of the EU. And they'll so, still benefit the UK even if the UK leaves the well, EU. Well, they're still going to go ahead, right? Yeah. So somebody's saying, well, we've got no obligation. Well, why would you... I, I would, I'm pretty sure that if we go through all of the details of the laws, we probably have got a form of obligation anyway. Otherwise, we wouldn't be playing around with this billions and billions that were going on. And ultimately, if we don't get past this, then it's going to cost us more than these billions in the, the impact it's going to have on the economy anyway. Yeah. Um, so... 
there was also the talk of Theresa May. There was two stances. She's going to increase it to forty billion, and then there was the talk of she's basically is she now saying she's just going to write a blank check. I tend to err on the side of the lab because I think she will just be bullied into doing whatever number it is. She's just trying to take her hard face stance of, well, I'm not going to be bullied. Well, hold on, love. You just doubled your offer, which wasn't a small offer, and has now gone to 40 billion from 20 billion, and is probably going to go to more once you get into the details. So it's hard to argue that we're not um, being put for ransom. Uh, and I think it was Michael Gove who came out and said she's just some word that was similar to handle it in an exemplary manner, and she will look out for the best interest of the UK people. Well, how many billions is it going to take you paying before it's actually not in my best interest? Yeah, they've got guns to their head. They can't really do much. Um, what's interesting is Ireland's um, involvement in this divorce bill. Um, not divorce bill, but in the, in the whole negotiation because of um, one of the problems that we have at the moment, um, one of the issues that you have in that two-week deal is that Ireland, in Ireland, the government is having a, a, crisis, a, a crisis and there might be early elections, snap election. Well, at, at, around the same time that um, the UK needs to agree to um, bring, bring forward terms with the EU. But why is Ireland so important? Because of Ireland and Northern Ireland have a, board, have a border, and the EU, if they don't reach agreement, there could be this hard border between... Well, it's how they're going to operate trade within the actual border. So what's going on is, so, so that's what they can't get to the bottom of. And the reason that it's a touchy subject is implementing borders in Ireland then comes with the political impacts of it. And we, we, the Good Friday Agreement. Well, exactly. So uh, uh, this, is, this is a touchy... I don't really know. I, I'm not sure how much time and effort they are spending on trying to fix it because it doesn't really have an easy answer to it. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how you resolve this one. And I can't say that it's very difficult to get the details of it as well. Like it's very difficult to dig into it and understand the full details of what is on offer and what isn't on offer, even when I'm trying to do the research. So I would argue this one's going to be a tough nut to crack. Um, whether we could say, well, <clears throat> it's kind of a chicken and an egg. Can you move forward with some trade negotiations if you can't work out the hard border between, well, the border discussion between Northern Ireland? I don't know. And can you do that in the next two, five, two well, weeks. five to 10 days? I don't know. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. You, you did mention about the Ireland snap elections as well. And, and so I did note this week, I mean, it's, it seems to me to be a slightly mute point, um, but could potentially be used as an extra card on the table from the UK if we want, is that Angela Merkel is facing challenges with her coalition mm. in Germany, which appears to basically have fallen apart, mm. um, which could lead to more German elections. Now, the thing is, it's very difficult for me to envision that she would lose power. She's mm -hmm. held it so strongly um, for so long. And yes, she formed a coalition, but it's not like she was close to being voted outright. So I don't really think that there's going to be much of a shift in power in Germany. However, that said, given the power politically that Germany and Merkel specifically have in the EU, we could use that as a play to say, well, hold on. You, you don't really want to progress in negotiations with us because we can't get our house, our cards in order, which arguably the UK can't, and that's visible to everybody. But you can't get your cards in order either because you've got multiple nations within the EU saying, well, we might have our own form of Brexit, i.e. we're not sure we want to be in the EU. And you've got multiple countries in there who are having battles over power within their own country. So if you're a smart, if you're a smart member of the UK team going over there, which I'm not, 
sure of the levels of intelligence. Obviously, they are. We've got our best negotiation, negotiation people. Yeah, the problem is, is there. It's not for me to question them. Obviously, it's not an easy job to do, right? But that said, I, I don't believe that we've got people in there. Things like negotiation, it's not a, it's not a, a book based yeah. skill, right? It's an experience based skill. And what I think we lack is the people with the necessary experience, because this isn't. This is not something that we've handled before right so you need to have it's not like you can just say well I know how to handle a Brexit this is you need someone with considerable experience in negotiation to go into this building on to what you just said um, another issue with Europe is that even if the UK do have a, do have a positive and bring positive um, talks and get, do get their act in order and do come forward with um, some plans you have to um, the the EU negotiators have to go back to the twenty-seven member states and then agree it before it even gets even before you get to the next stage. So it's going to be a very, very slow and painful process. Well, they do, but I kind of get the impression that Donald Tusk does speak quite largely on on the part not only speaks on the part of why he is the defining voice. I I get the impression that he has a clear understanding of the intentions and desires of all of them, and also as much as the EU are like, this is your. This is your gambit to play, UK. They would, if they had to, they would take no deal rather than a bad deal. But at the end of the day, they don't want to either of those situations uh, either. So as I mentioned last week, I think this is getting to a point in the play where everybody's looking to say, well, if we don't progress, then we need to work out whose fault it is. Mm -hmm. And UK, just so you're clear right now, to the outside world, the lack of progression is your fault. Mm -hmm. right? But I do think that internally within the EU, they do want to reach a point where we can divorce amicably but the problem um, with the EU like you said if you, um, he's he, he's um, he's got on the understanding that Europe at the moment wants this if they keep having these internal strides between themselves like in Germany like in France or in Italy or in um, well you've still got Spain that's bumbling on exactly, over there right which has exactly, just gone exactly. a bit quiet that's what I'm saying so you still have these ongoing um, rumblings in Europe so it makes it even harder to come to agreement if you at one point you think the plan's this way and then someone else and then, then the power switches and then they're like no, then you're, you're, you're uh, flip-flopping. Well, even Australia came out and said that they don't like the idea of the proposal put forward from a, a trade perspective okay. by the UK. So there's a trade quota that basically defines where certain um, imports are kind of split out to. Um, and whatever the proposal, again, this is not another one of those where it's difficult to get into the details at this moment in time, but whatever the proposal that the UK have put forward as to how this split would occur, which in essence I think at the moment it's supposed to be split by the people who would use the imports the most. Um, I don't know the details of what was put forward by the UK, but they don't particularly like that. And once you get to the trade discussions, it doesn't just involve the EU either. This is because when you're talking about international export and import, then everybody else has. Yes, the EU wants to make sure that they reach an agreement, but everybody else around the world that has major money in imports and exports has a big card to play on the table here. So you, you it, once, once you get to that level of discussion, it's not a quick discussion. Like mm. We can't even get to that one. And we're running out of time, right? Yeah. So even when you get to that one, that one's going to be a very lengthy round of negotiations to reach. So just even even if we can go in in 10 days and begin those discussions, that it, it, by some miracle, we, do, we agree the divorce bill and the Northern Ireland issue, that in no way means that we're still in a good position. Yeah, because arguably we could get there in December, right, and reach a point where they say, we're happy enough that you've made progress. Because that's all they're looking for in mm -hmm. December, right? We're happy enough you've made progress. Not that we've closed negotiation. Mm -hmm. Which means post-November, there's still discussions on these two topics, plus us progressing the trade discussions, which will involve more nations in there and participants. I'm... 
well, I've said before, I don't understand at what point they look at plan B because if, if Michael Gove's going to chuck around terms like she's looking after the best interests of the UK, at what point in time do you decide that you need to look at a separate option, i.e., don't well, review the Brexit decision? Like, at some point in time, that has to be a decision on the table because it has. Do you think the Tories will do that? <clears throat> Well, it doesn't make it. Well, it, it, so if I take, let, let me take this from like, let, let, right. It, let's in essence break this down to the simplistic terms of it. This is a project that they need to achieve, right? Yeah. So if I need to deliver a project, I've got drop dead dates. Now yeah. we can't even seem to define what our drop dead dates are for the trade union discussions at the moment. Yeah. We, we we're saying that it needs to be December because if it's not, it goes to March. But if it and does March go to March, you, yeah. Yeah, but if it goes to March, there's nobody coming out there. What, what does that mean? There's somebody in the background said, well, if we go past December, it's going to be too late to do it. What's our plan B? At some point in time, somebody must have considered what these drop, date, drop dead dates are and the plan B. I will be interested to see what comes out when we hit that point and trigger it. Because if, if they haven't considered it, then frankly, they are less even less competent than even I could have imagined. Mm -hmm. But what those actual plans are, we're not going to hear those until such a point in time as they need to be triggered because if they say that, it directly goes against the whole push of we're serious about Brexit, it's going to happen. Well, if you come out and say, we're serious about Brexit, it's going to happen, but this is our plan B, well, all of a sudden, you're not so serious about it, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. <clears throat> in other news this week, it was budget update. With the license to thrill, Chancellor of the Exchequer, this out. was the least thrilling budget. This was so... Sorry to jump in with the, the introduction there, but it doesn't even deserve that. This was like... I'm trying to get our listeners um, excited. Excited? Excited about excited the budget. The, excited for the budget. If the budget was good, then there would be something to be excited about, right? The they should nothing. be more excited about how we're about to dissect and pull apart. The budget was nothing, really. So the biggest uh, takeaway from the budget this week uh, was the stamp duty reform, meaning the... Uh, Abolition of um, stamp duty for first-time buyers up to properties up to three hundred thousand nationwide, and then properties up to five hundred thousand in the UK you get five percent on the extra of the five of over the three hundred thousand. Uh, well, no, you don't even get you. Well, no, the first three hundred thousand you don't get stamp duty on. Yeah, so, so yeah, so, yeah, so, so it's then, only over the three to five, and then after the three to five in London, <laughs> you get the five percent. Um, well, so I don't think this this to me was the. Things are crap over here on the left. Look at this shiny thing on the right. That's what that's what the stamp duty was to me, right? Because the stamp duty proposal they put forward, they're saying is going to get more people into housing market, right? Now there's a few problems with this. Firstly, can I can I can I say what the one one is before you? You're say probably going to agree with what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, the first it. one is that if you uh, make it easier for people to buy houses, that pushes the, that makes more demand. You haven't got enough supply that pushes the prices up. I couldn't argue that they haven't got enough supply because one of the other things they put on there is they've got enough, they've got too many empty houses and so they're trying to drive for that to be... But let's just, before you get onto that, let's right, go cool. back to the, the first time buyers thing because, right, ultimately the biggest expense that you've got is the deposit, deposit yeah, right? Deposit, yeah. So you can be annoyed about... I mean, the figures are put here. So if you look at... So uh, so I think in the in the north of the country, the stamp duty say it costs... They're, they're so small. They're tiny. They're tiny. They're minuscule. We're talking about a few hundred pounds, right? Um, and down here, you're talking about four to five k. Now, yes, I would like to keep four to five k in my pocket, but it's not a game changer. Mm -hmm. If I've got forty k in the bank for a deposit, mm -hmm. or fifty k or sixty k, wherever you're buying in uh, in London, right? Then that if I can save that five k, great. If I can't, it's not a deal breaker, and it's not going to change me. Also, the fact that 
if I'm in a, if I'm, if there's two people who want to buy and only one of them is a first time buyer, they're exempt from this anyway. They can't exploit the tax, well, not exploit the tax break, but they can't take advantage of this tax break and change. Yeah. So it's not going to drive people into buying anyway. It's not, but it was, it was a number because it was the no more stamp duty, three hundred k. It was like again, pay attention to this stuff on the right, so that we can ignore the fact that the growth forecast has been slashed. Yeah. Like, this is what it completely... And also, also, so in the week where we've said we're going to pay 40 billion for the increase... Well, we're going to go up to 40 billion for Brexit. We're also going to set aside 3 billion pounds for Brexit planning for the next two years. Mm-hmm. What I don't even know what that means because there are people in there to do their jobs right, which they're going to get paid for anyway, which don't need to be in the budget. So what exactly are we putting on top of that for 3 billion pounds worth to plan for Brexit? Apart from the fact... Do you know what that says to me? We have no clue what we're doing, so we need to sit some money aside just That's in case, case everything goes south. Yeah. And those were the two. Those were the two big ones to take away from me. But they tried to tie small numbers to them. Did you Did you hear it, see about one point five billion and set aside for universal tax credit? Well, once we got down into those numbers, I wasn't too interested in them because they were all. They're not really doing this for me. So th- this budget was. Trying to be in well, I don't think it was. If I was trying to compare it to, to, to a way to describe it, I would say it's trying to be something to everybody, and in the end, it's nothing to anybody. Yeah. It's nothing to anybody. It doesn't do anything for people in debt. It doesn't do anything for people getting into housing. It doesn't do anything to drive people to want to stay in London and do business. For public services, uh, like the um, police's and uh, the police, uh, the fire service and and the ambulance service, the the VAT refunds in Scotland. <laughs> That refund in Scotland are are positive. Well, the the whatever, how much did they allocate to? Um, I can't remember. I'm gonna try not to think now. But whatever they allocated to uh, the NHS basically breaks down to about. So they allocated something out to the NHS for training, which I think breaks down to about a a thousand pounds per nurse. And actually, so so the and also as far as I'm aware, the 1.5 billion that they've put to universal credit, as far as I read it. Is not to give more. Is not to invest more money in the universal credit. It's to reduce it. So at the moment, when you apply for it, so universal credit is basically they've wrapped up all the welfares into one, right? Which I'm sure from 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 a processing perspective is more efficient. Mm-hmm. If you've got less to deal with, then financially it should be more efficient and operating yeah. in, in for you as well. But because of that, it takes people somewhere like six to eight weeks and often more to be able to go from the point of signing on for their universal credit to actually getting anything. Yeah. So the money that they've chucked at this, and again, how broken is your system when you need to chuck 1.5 billion at it? Because it's not a small amount. It saves one week. <clears throat> well, no, they're trying to bring it down. Well, they're trying to bring it down to in terms, but somewhere between like two to four weeks. Yeah. But how broken is your system if this is how much you need to because, chuck at it? Because in reality, it's just gonna, in reality, because it needs to be six, it's right, it's going to be five. Six. Yeah, but it's got no, but this is what I mean. This does nothing for anybody. Yeah, no. So this, this, doesn't, this isn't actually the, helping the, people out there. The 1.5 million to address concerns makes it sound like it's going to be added on to what they're actually receiving. What I think, what I do think is good is, so if, if we go through the personal allowance, um, personal allowance has increased from 11.5 to 11.8. Um, That's that, pointless, by the way. That, yeah. That's so pointless. That, yeah. that is just but what a, they have done, which I think they've done well, is that they've increased the um, 40% ban. They have, but it's from 45k to 46, 350. And I'm telling you, it, that's not that... It's I've, 300 pounds saving. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not going to notice that. Yeah, I know, but it's 300 pounds saving. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, so here, so if I take those two, right... That has done little to help people who are in the lower income range, no. right? It's not done... It's tried but, to do but something, but it's, not, no, 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 but, but it's not done enough, right? And the higher rate threshold, mm-hmm. it's not done enough 
to make people think in all the instability that's coming with Brexit, oh, London, the UK, is a good place for me to work. Therefore, I will keep myself here. So this is what I mean by it's trying to do little bits, well, for everybody, and in the end, done nothing for anybody. I can't feel. I I can't have sympathy with the chancellor. I do have sympathy sympathy for him. Oh, it's not. Decent. I'm not saying it's an easy job to do. I'm not saying that. And the reason, and the reason why I have sympathy for him because he's stuck in the hard place between like, the rock and hard place. He is. He is. Well, the, the yeah. thing is because I wanted to play a clip and we couldn't get the sound quality to play well enough. But he's got. There's a clip of Hammond. He's basically coming out and he said, "We need to defy the gloomy forecast. Right? Yeah. We need to increase." Productivity, because this is one of the problem. This is one of the underlying pro- uh, issues, right? Mm. We need to increase our productivity, which has continued to go down. down yeah. So our growth forecast has been slashed from two percent to one point five, and our productivity has been revised down by an average of zero point seven percent up to twenty twenty three. But he's come out and he said we need to fix the product he basically came out and he listed all these things that we need to fix and all of them were ones which we don't have an answer for he's like these are all the challenges we've got to overcome well duh we knew that i would like to know how you're going to overcome them but productivity has continually dropped in the uk over the last few years and if we can't fix that then well it's it's not going to help when we push out half of the work and people building into the economy post-Brexit. But this is the problem that people can't fix. And the continual answer to this is, we're going to create more jobs. But what sector are you going to create in them? Yeah. And what are you going to... And, and we're going to give more training. Look, these are these are the four answers that he's given. We're going to create more jobs. We're going to give more training. Gee, Jesus, I can go to Oxford Dictionary and probably find some term that says productivity and has a reference, how to increase productivity 101. Like, this is ridiculous. This is not what he's getting paid the money for. The problem he's having Rock is Rock a hard place to decide. Yeah, the problem he's having is that businesses are already looking to move business away from the UK due to Brexit. Mm-hmm. So that's going to make it even harder to increase, to increase productivity in the UK. So he's literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, and, and the reason why I kind of have sympathy for him because if um, he didn't want Brexit. Same thing with May. Yeah, but this is well. This is yeah, but this has gone beyond the point where it's irrelevant. Because, okay, that's one thing that ties into Brexit, right? That's one thing. What about the rest of the things that he's put in here, which do nothing? And again, what about the big shiny star, which says, "Look over here," because I want to distract you from all the crap yeah. that's over here. But it's, just, it's like um, the people are, are hurting, like people in the um, public sector pay, which is who stay frozen for the last how many years? Yeah, but it's still gonna be frozen. Yeah, it's still gonna be frozen. They haven't they haven't changed? They haven't fixed it. And um and yeah that the money they set aside for the training for, for NHS is nothing. The only one thing that he did that I think was will will we'll have some benefit to some people is the millennial travel card. That that. They, well, the only reason is is because I so when I was <clears throat> so I used to use it when uh when I was sixteen and twenty five. Yeah. Uh, well, I had a girlfriend who was up in Newcastle, so that was invaluable to me because I I was up there every well either every two weeks or every week, right? So if I could save a third on a £120 train ticket, then probably your uncle uh, might quids in, right? And you can only use it outside on off-peak hours. However, still, that is going to be kind of useful for people who are travelling on their leisure time. It won't be necessarily useful for them if they're coming to commute and the rest of it, but... That was a, and, and it's not it's not going to have any kind of game changer, but that may be of value. An extra five years to be able to use that for people actually may be of some value. The, everything else in there was just the standard stuff. So beer and cigarette taxes going up, what they always do. Like yeah. that's the, these are these are all just these are trivial things that. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say they're trivial, but they're the things that always go up. There was there's nothing in what I think what everybody was looking for is <clears throat> deliver something to somebody. 
So either address what we've got going off in the public, what we've got going on in the public sector, which multiple people have tried to do, and, and I think Corbyn put it as this: this budget has a track record of failure, and all you've done is promised us more failure. Yeah. And it's hard to argue with that. Obviously, that's his job to challenge back on his opposition, but it's hard to argue with that. It's a brutal response to it, but it's hard to argue that that's not the truth. Okay, one thing I don't understand, and I'm not, I'm not an economist. Where do we get this extra money that we always find for like Brexit and like this forty billion extra that we're going to pay to the EU when we can't find extra money to pay people? Where do these? Where do we find these extra money? They haven't told us where the savings are coming from. They haven't told us. It's just. It's always weird. It's always weird when they they say, "Oh yeah, we got extra forty billion. Or we got um, how much do they pay to um, pay the, the." is it Ireland Northern Ireland party? Yeah, but all, all that is is balancing the books and taking additional loans. The, if you, if if I mean, so I don't more, take, more debt. Yeah, I don't go into them. But if you took a look into the actual details of all the international loans that go on, it's just obscene numbers. So more, so many more, zeros more, more debt. On a page. More more debt. Well, I, I, it's a bit, well, I, I don't know. I I, I couldn't uh, put an educated opinion on this without going into details. I'm quite happy to do that offline and come back with an answer yeah. next week. I <laughs> know. Um, I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm saying this. No, 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 but I don't like to... Look, if, if you've got a question and, and it's unanswered on this show, then probably people who are listening to the show have got it unanswered as well, so therefore yeah. we should find an answer to the question, right? So there we go. There's my uh, part of one of my to-do lists for the week. Okay, um, no. But in general, yeah, I didn't... This was this was completely underwhelming. It was Not over quickly as well, and he made to try to make some just some ridiculously cheesy jokes in there. He's not he's not funny. Well, it just came in. He came in with just under the radar, and normally the budget is a big thing. It was it was done and over in thirty minutes. It was chastised on Twitter. Everybody pretty much stopped talking about it within a few hours because it's not literally going to do much or anything to anybody. And like I say, for me, it was all just too focused on the let me put this big number up that sounds like it's got a real benefit, but when you look at it really doesn't and a lot of the increases half the increases that they moved up as well move in line with inflation so have, have a net impact of zero, zero. yeah all right moving <laughs> something more sexy and more thrilling last night in for circus there was a lot of hullabaloo off the circus incident all right so uh last night i was i was just chilling with my girlfriend and my phone popped up and it went and it was daily mail yeah, I read Daily Mail for the sport. I think I had a dig at you like, a couple of weeks ago for that, so I'll let uh, that go. For the Daily Mail, and it came out saying, gunshots heard in, in Oxford Circus, and people are advised to stay in the shops. And Did was... you get the plow? So you actually follow that, don't you? So did you get the plow down one about the lorry plow and people down? No, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. So, and then I, went, I, I put BBC News on, and they were like saying uh, it was a customer incident. And then Ben messaged, I messaged Ben, and Ben messaged me back, and he goes, Something's not right here. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, we'll talk about it on the show. So what's what we'll do? So this is what we'll do. So the story, so, so last night, Oxford Circus went into meltdown, right? Now, I wasn't watching on TV. I was actually in the barbershop. So I was seeing all these different alerts, but I've got some news apps on my phone. Like, everything popped up from everywhere. So Huffington Post popped up, BBC popped up. Literally, Twitter started going off. All of the sites that I've got, I think CNBC went off of it at some point. What have I got? I've got about 10 apps on here. So they're all popping up with different stuff. Then you've got the, the uh, Apple News one, which pops up. So they're all giving me this different information, right? So... Basically says Oxford Circus Station and Bond Street have been closed. Yeah. Well, no, that was it. Originally, somebody put it in the the group, and let me find. Uh, in fact, in fact, let me just. Somebody put it up that it was about the lorry 
that had there was two stations closed and a lorry ploughed into people. Like, huh? This doesn't sound right. So because I've already gone on the BBC by this point and seen that they've closed two stations, so I'm thinking, where did the lorry come from? And then it was there have been gunshots fired. Okay. Mm. Then it was everybody's been told to go into stores and long and short before we go into the details of it, an hour later they're reopening the stations and there's no sign of gunshots and there was no lorry involved and everything's going back to normal. And all of this I'm reading, I'm like, they responded with armed police officers in in literally about two minutes, which yeah. actually, this is the positive of the story. That well done, the police. The, yes, I, actually, for everything that people have a go at them for. And arguably yesterday, they would have been for Oxford Street, Black Friday, when it's obviously not spoken about every day, but we are still on the highest terror alert. So yeah. this would have been a very closely um, checked area. So they did the thing quickly on that. <clears throat> and then everything was back to normal. So I think it started at half half four, and then by six o'clock it was back to normal. Yeah. Now, let's go into the details. Because as I said to you, this doesn't add up. Police response, because then it came out, this is just a fight between two people on the street. I'm like, this doesn't add up for me. <laughs> two people fighting on the tube, closed two tube stations. They heard gunshots in Selfridges, which is a big store by itself overground not underground <laughs> um and the, the the main hullabaloo seemed to come out of oxford street bond street i think they closed as yeah, a okay. precautionary measure so, so people that are not from the uk oxford street and bond street are a mile apart so they're not very close they're not that they're close to each other but they're not, they're not that close to each other carry on yeah that's a good point actually. well i did yeah i didn't think yeah, they're, 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 it's because they're on the street but yeah. and people have come running down the streets and some people are told to stay in a store but then Selfridges, where there were gunshots heard, but actually there were no gunshots, was evacuated. Well, that's weird because every every other store was out of time. So I was like, I oh, and there was one that one article that came out in Huffington Post today, which wonderfully dissected this piece of, and and I found it brilliant. You found it infuriating to read. Yeah. I found it mildly because I'm I'm almost becoming desensitized to what was bad about it. What is bad? And I did say this to when I was in the barbers yesterday, and I said when this popped up. It just, I, I read it as, at the time when it popped up, it said gunshots are heard and they had shut down two tube stations. And I'm kind of desensitised to this news now. And that sounds so bad to say that. Time. So bad to say that, right? But I looked at it and thought, well, I'm just going to have to track what happened. Yeah. Nothing about me went, oh my God, act of panic. And I wasn't there, right? So there's a lot of these things that we'll get into now about how people reacted, which... If you see mass panic on Oxford Street, and especially if you don't know what's going on, you just see people running away in police, then you would have just gone running, right? Do you remember um, <coughs> Cedric the Entertainer? He had that joke about black people when they see, um, we've got this adaptive reasoning, when we see people running, we just run. So you know, like, what you, yeah, yeah, and he goes, what are you running for? I don't know, no, what are you running for? Yeah, <laughs> it's that thing. So that it happened yesterday. So people probably, used, like, the panic happened, and then people started running. Other people saw more, more people running. That's to get out of the way. You run. <laughs> Correct. So people and it creates more and more panic. Most like nine people were injured. Sixteen. Sixteen people were injured, and most of that time it was because they were trampled on. Oh, that was all. They were all. They were all injuries because the, of. They all. They all trampled. And you can imagine when you think of Oxford Circus, yeah. the actual end, uh, exit ways out of it are all congested um, stairwells. Yeah. However, so 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 let's get into it. Okay, Let, cool. Let's just take break it down bit by bit where it started. So, the. Daily, the Mail Online <coughs> releases a tweet that says, where's the actual tweet? Because I think it might have been, um, I think it might have been deleted now. But they released a tweet that said that there are gunshots heard and that a, hold on, let me put it out because I've got a picture in here. 
because that's an important starting point. No, that's telegraph. There, there we go. Gunshots fired as armed police surround Oxford Circus tube station and shoppers flee after lorry plows into pedestrians. Okay, yeah. so let's start with this because this is the one that really confused everybody, right? They were like, as the details started to go through, even the first person that I saw in, the, in my WhatsApp group who read that said, not sure about the legitimacy of the, the lorry. Like, I'm not hearing anything about that. And they were speaking to people who they knew in, in Selfridges. Yeah. So, turns out that the origin of that was on the 14th of Two November. Weeks ago. Yeah, there was a report of a lorry that was on the side of a road and had bloodstains near the, the lorry that suggested there had been some kind of incident, right? So that's two weeks ago. So the Daily Mail, on well, the Mail Online, quickly deleted this tweet and were later apologetic about it, as they should be. Um, there was a wonderfully, there was a wonderful moment of irony on this where uh, there was a writer for uh, Infowars. So for anybody who's not aware, Infowars is a notorious conspiracy site. By Alex Jones. <laughs> well, yeah. So if you've heard of Alex Jones, you'll know what it is. If not... Um, it's to do with all conspiracies. Now, one of their writers came out and posted information about an eyewitness saying that the incident is gang-related, mm -hmm. referencing stampedes and that this was related to terror. And then he finishes it up with saying, the obsession with reporting def um, definitively what happened first before any facts are known never ends well. Um, sorry, dude. And, he's having, and, and he references to the Mail Online post there. Sorry, dude. Um, you've just done that yourself, you idiot. Yeah. What a jackass. Like, so that just annoyed me anyway. Then we get on to, in more of the nuts and bolts of what was going on. So everybody from the outside, everybody on Oxford Street is trying to work out what's going on. Everybody outside of Oxford Street is trying to work out what's going on. Because by this point in time, you have armed police yeah. who have descended down. Now, they said, in the in when it came, the story came today, they suggested that they thought it could have been terrorist-related, but they quickly realised, well, they quickly said that they'd ascertained that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the police that were there were not anti-terror police. Now, I think that was a line, whether they were or not, I think that was an important line to put out, because normally for me, what happens is, the media get hold of some inkling of news for this, and they're completely irresponsible in the way that they spray it around the world, and therefore give news to the exact people, i.e. the bad guys of the world, who you don't want getting this kind of information, yeah. right? So I think it was important to point out there, even if, even if there is some underlying piece of this that we don't know, that could have been terror-related, the fact that they came out and said that I think was very important so that goes out anyway and, and, and stop to interrupt you that's what infuriated me because of those 16 people that got hurt part of that was due to people probably seeing the alert on their phone thinking oh shit a terrorist attack oh shit I'm, like, I'm, I'm in panic then, then well, they didn't see terrorists. Nobody saw that, did they? I think what they would have seen is they would have seen gunshots. Gunshots, yeah. If they saw gunshots. Yeah. And the thing is as well, imagine. so imagine that you are making your way out. So imagine you've just come off the central line in Oxford Circus and you're making your way out and you've just come off the platform and you're going up through that fin piece and all of a sudden, a flood of people come rushing past you and what do you do? Yeah. You run with them, you right? Because yeah. one person runs, the next person runs and then everybody runs, right? I'm still intrigued to understand what made, because whatever this altercation was, this is something that still doesn't add up to me. An altercation that has clearly then made enough people, which only really takes a handful, run that then forced everybody else to run, right? So that's what's a bit weird. That that, that and that's what still doesn't all add up to me. It depends if it's if it's it's Black Friday, it's off the circus. If it's a central line, then the platform is pretty much congested. Yes. So two people are fighting on there, and you've got limited space. 
people start to panic. I've seen it before. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, but yes, but panic to the degree of everybody then flowing, flooding out. And we don't know to the extent. Like, like yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. I know we don't know to the extent, and this that's what I'm saying. Yeah, These I, are the I, missing I, I, yeah. pieces of information for me that don't quite add up. Yes, I, I'm agreeing with you. Like we don't, we don't know um, to the extent of what, what happened because I sent you I sent you a screenshot of a, of, of a girl that was on the central line, and she said it was a group of men. And then from a group of men, like even it's gone from forty men, twenty one men, to two, and to two men as to a forty year old and a twenty year old, one year old guy who have yeah. now gone into police um, today voluntarily For, because obviously uh, they posted their faces on news at like twelve o'clock today. So I, I, I realised that they. Thought, it could just be a normal argument. It might yeah, but it probably was a normal argument. This is what I found weird about it. So anyway, then from this overground now, let's let's just come back up to the outside of the underground. In my world, I'm like going on a virtual little <laughs> investigation here. Um, so then what kicked off was you had, um, I mean, everybody's talking about mass panic, but then you had Ollie Moore Mules pops up on Twitter. For those who don't know who Alan Mears is, he was, a, he was an expert. Well, you say that he's a superstar, so everybody should know who he is. No, he's a British superstar. He, um, ben thinks he's a Z-lister. Um, he, won, he didn't win X-Factor. He came third in X-Factor about eight years ago, five, seven years ago. Anyway, um, he sells out the old two, so... <laughs> yeah, he's got random songs which come out. I'm not saying this. I said this was unfair, but I didn't see him as a superstar. But okay. he is one of those celebrities who pops up. And to be fair, in this day and age, he's on like Capital FM or whatever. So, so whatever, whatever's whatever. Um, so he's got on Twitter 7.5 million followers. Yeah. And this isn't me being harsh against Ollie Mules, but my suspicion would be that only four million of those are, are real. Not because I think that he has been trying to farm fake um, followers, mm -hmm. but. Pretty much anybody who goes into the high numbers attracts fake followers. It's just the way that Twitter works, right? Yeah. So, but argue, but still, he's got millions of followers. So he starts tweeting out rather rampantly what is going on, um, and he points out at some point that he is he's heard gunshots, yeah. um, and he's in Selfridges. He's now locked in the back. Then he comes out and says, "I'm being told that there are no gunshots in Selfridges." Now, this then descended to obviously after this, all calm starts to settle. Selfridges was apparently evacuated. I'm guessing that's because there were... A, once one person says they heard a gunshot, arguably something obviously happened in Selfridges, but it's a big store, right? So let's say something massive falls from a high a high shelf or, or whatever. There are a lot of sounds which can mimic a gunshot, right? Yeah. And so I would have to think that something is foul or made a noise inside because no other shops, there, there are no other stores where people mentioned a gunshot, mm -hmm. only in Selfridges. So I think it was something probably self-contained in there. So I'm not saying that he didn't hear something. So I'm not being too harsh at him here um so that then they they evacuated selfridges everybody else was told to stay indoors and as i say within an hour they kind of got everything back to normal so what came out of it is no signs of gunshots nobody thankfully there were no there were no major casualties apart from the people who got trampled on the way out which i don't think any of those were major they were more minor casualties but then what broke out from this is that Piers Morgan comes out and starts having a, a Twitter row yeah. with Ollie Muir's because he, he saw it. He shouldn't have been tweeting what he tweeted yeah. whilst in there. Yeah. Now, I'm on I'm on two sides of this. Yeah, and I can see where you. I can because see so from Piers Morgan's point of view, I completely. First of all, let me just be clear. Piers Morgan, out of all people, to take moral high ground on what gets posted on Twitter, he's not the best place person to do that. Yeah. But that said. I get where he's coming from, is that Ollie Muir shouldn't have put out their information that he didn't know to be true. But at the same time, he's in a form of panic. This he, becomes, the, he, becomes Ollie, he becomes Oliver Murs from East London. It's not even Oliver Murs from <laughs> East London, right? The point is, is when you're in a, what happens nowadays is, and you saw it everywhere, right? Yeah. When people go into mass panic mode, 
the first thing that they do is tweet, which is a strange reaction to anything of form of panic, right? Anyway, yeah. but this is what he does now. Piers Morgan is saying that's completely irresponsible. Yeah. You're saying that you in part agree with him. I, I kind of get where he's coming from, but I don't think that Oli Muirs is. So he is a famous celebrity because he's on well because he's a pop star yeah. and because he is on things like radio and the the kind of things like I'm a celebrity yeah. those kind of reality TV shows and the rest of it. He's not in. He's not in a profession, and he's not. I know we're saying that he is a star in the UK. But he's not one of those in one of those positions where I feel that he is seen day to day as a role model. And the yeah. reason that I say this is when you're in a in a position in society and you're a celebrity who is seen as a role model to people, it kind of becomes ingrained in you to act in a certain way and have a form of social and moral obligation. So if you take Kevin Hart, for example, when he got found that he was cheating on his missus, he came, came out, out publicly, publicly said yeah. that, right? Now, you can argue what the reasons are behind that, but he came out and said that because he understands that he needs to maintain the right outward view of himself because otherwise it could be detrimental yeah. to his... Um, <clears throat> his well, his career. But with Oli Mules, he's, he's not in that same position where he needs to do this day-to-day. -day. So in a knee-jerk situation where you're not particularly thinking on your senses, I don't think he would have thought to himself, oh dear, what's the impact going to have of this if this is not true? He doesn't have that trigger setting in there which says, I need to filter what I put yeah. before I click send on it. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of agree with Pierce. And I kind of... I, I, the thing is, I think when you're in panic... Like I would say when you're when you're in different situations, you don't know how you how you're gonna to react to it. However, I do I do kind of agree with Piers is that look, mate, you don't might not think your following is big, but you pretty much have a big following, and people are gonna look for the most famous person that's out there and start like taking their word for what actually is happening. And what I think a lot of times with with Twitter, it gets it becomes like Chinese whispers. So you hear something, and then someone else says something, and then they tweet, and then they tweet something else, and it's, it's like because you saw the, with the Daily Mail. The tweet about on, on the lorry that happened two weeks ago, they picked up on that, then they it's like Chinese whispers, it gets worse and worse. Well, yeah, but they've got a responsibility because they're male. But yeah, yeah, but he doesn't. And this one's like, so I'm not saying he does, yeah, but, I'm saying But everything that you've just said there, yeah. if you're in a position where you have to think about this stuff on a daily basis, because when you get into a position of panic, then your mind will default to its fixed pattern, right? Yeah. Now, if you don't deal with this on a daily pattern, that's not your fixed on a daily basis, that's not your fixed pattern. So everything that you've just said there is easy to say in a calm environment when we're talking across from each other. But if you were in that situation, would those be the things that came to your mind? Because but why do you go on Twitter? Well, yeah, but he's not the only one that went to Twitter, so I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying him. I'm just, I'm just I just don't understand like in that type of sense. Yeah, I'll be tweeting, I'll be WhatsApping to my mum and saying you probably would, but I think different people act in different ways. And again, if 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 you tweet all day every day and that's your fullback filter, then yeah. then that would be what you do. So and a lot of people did. So again, that's why I'm not being and and, and let's be clear about this. Uh, you'll never find me walking around saying I'm an Oli Muirs fan, so I'm not being... <laughs> it's not like I'm versed to, to look out for him here. But I would be interested to see what Piers Morgan would act like if he was in some building where something went off that sounded exactly, like an... Expl exactly. Exactly. Anything. exactly. Um, but in I, fact, I, the only difference would be he would have gone back and quickly tried to delete his tweets, whereas Oli Muirs basically just said, well, yeah, but, it is what it is. But um, Piers Morgan's got that sense of... Um, I know best, and he tells people off because he knows. Oh, he's just he, he's con he's condescended and arrogant. He's, he's that con is his he's thing. A dick. He's a dick. That, but that is what he sells as his persona as well. He's a dick.
So that was the, uh, I'm not going to say excitement. of. Well, the, the good thing, that, so again, the positives to come out of this is the police did respond incredibly quickly to this. Um, and I did have, it was weird, I had a conversation with my barber last night and he said, but how can these things be allowed to happen? They should have police on these, these places like Selfridges sell so much money that they should have police on these like 24-7. And I'm like, well, they do have bobbies on the beat around that place, right? But I'm like, for me, as a taxpayer and as a London citizen, right, it doesn't, I don't, if, if Selfridges gets burgled and nobody gets hurt, then doesn't hit my taxpayer bill. They don't even hurt Selfridges, they're insured. Well, it doesn't even, but this is what I mean. But if you chuck somebody there, then you're then taking them out of operating in other parts of London. So, and again, as I've said, look, we got into a discussion about the police and the nature of them. And, I, and as I mentioned to him, I'm like, look, I don't think they vet the police enough for, uh, as it is. Um, not not because, I'm try, I don't want to be un, too unfair on them here, but... Being a police officer, I know we love to hate police officers, right? But it's a very difficult job yeah. to have the mental faculties to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that way too often people are letting who are not, I'm not going to say, yeah, I am going to say skilled enough because it's not qualified. I want to say skilled enough. They don't have the the the, the faculties that they need to be able it's very, to, it's a very tough job. to manage that job. Well, I think we both agree it's a very tough job. Um, Anyways, why would I want police, a police officer, one police officer to be outside Selfridges every um, attack? Yeah, oh. for someone. My phone's not on. Um, why would I want police officers to be stationed outside Selfridges every day? I wouldn't, um, the way police, police, um, police nowadays is more intelligence. That's why, you, that's why you have those quick response units that are there. Well, I did say to him as well, when you look at the actual businesses that have got millions within them, they're the diamond stores and they've got, they've got guards on them all day, every day. Yeah. And the, 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 the owner factor of that is you could stick armed officers into stores and if they're there, then that's not going to help the matter because they're going to end up being in a situation where, right, I will go in and storm it with a bunch of big guys and all of a sudden I've got an armed group. Yeah. And, and so it's not an easy thing to fix here and, and I think uh, for me if I take the positives again there was a very quick response to this they restored normality very quickly um, it is what it is and that was that was Friday evening of excitement where I was expecting to pay my PS4 and couldn't by the way because Argos hadn't delivered it okay um, great segue for Black Friday <laughs> so Black Friday this year set to break rec um, break sales records despite sales not actually being that great uh, Ben got a PS4 um, he he didn't get it on the day he wanted it. He wanted to play. Well, it. you might want to quantify that. That uh, yeah, yeah. So you might want to quantify that because I can use the example of the PS4 as a good example. So we're set to break sales records, and when you say sales not actually being that great, when when you looked on, when I looked around, mm -hmm. when I think about last year, because last year I was in a different position, I wasn't really paying attention to Black Friday, um, but the deals were a lot better than they were this year. So. There, most places were doing twenty percent off. I think I was. I went to look on Watch Shop because I thought I should, should I buy myself a new watch. It was fifteen percent off. Uh, there were some places that thirty percent off. ASOS seemed to do a good one, 20%. which was up to where it's twenty percent off on seventy. But but they have sales all around year oh, anyway, oh, yeah, so right, it's yeah. complete points. And they do twenty percent flash sales throughout the year as well. Um, the I think they've kind of bundled everything in because previously we had Black Friday and then Cyber Monday came. Now we have Black Friday for the week before and the week after. So there seems to be no differentiator between the sales there. Um, so, the, I mean, the PlayStation ones were actually a good deal. And I looked at it at the start of the week and I was like, right, there's the PS4 Pro on there. And I think it was about you, with uh, World War Two, and you saved like 
£110 or something on there. So I was like, I'll, I'll get that. if I, I, and Then I thought to myself, well, let me wait until Friday just in case it gets better. Consequently, it didn't get better. So the Pro was sold out. So then I went to buy the Slim. And that was, they said, oh, that's not installed, but it'll be installed by four. Wasn't installed by four. And Argos tell me, come back in the morning. I go back this morning. Oh, it still hasn't arrived. In fairness to it, because yesterday the problem was I went there. So I'd been gym in the morning and... I'd eaten at like 12 and this was like half four and I hadn't eaten since. So it was unfortunate for them. They caught me in hangry mode. Uh, so <laughs> I had little patience for them yesterday. I wasn't being hard on, but I was just like, oh, if you told me this, I'd have bought it from somewhere else and I could have got it today. So I was being a bit short. I wasn't being rude because I don't like to be rude with customer sales or representatives. But when I went back this morning, he was like, oh, we'll go check it out. I'm cool because I just come with a GM, I'd eaten anyway. So... <clears throat> Out of, my, out of a segue into my personal life there. <laughs> the deals, like I say, did not... I was surprised that the broker bit down. I think the thing is, it's become it's become so easy to make because the queues weren't massive. Yeah. But and, they're, and they they're, 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 they're in a tweet about that. So in America, the queues are massive still. In the UK, um, they had midnight they had midnight openings and like it had one person. Did you, did you, did you, did you see the... It was the, the Curry's one. Yeah, the Curry's one. They said the rush is on and they yeah. opened the door and one person went in. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I think... I think we have yeah, but the states, the states are different. So over here, so in the states, it's still. I mean, it's still cutthroat. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it is wonderful. I saw an image earlier. I think I posted to you where it said, um, it showed a picture of everybody rushing through the doors, rushing through the doors to buy stuff that they don't need. Only twelve hours after being thankful for what they've got. Yeah, and and they still do it over there. And in store, they get massive deals yeah. compared to what they don't. Whereas here, they just replicate in store sales with online. And often, I was speaking to a friend. So Amazon's a good example of this, right? Amazon nearly always give you the product on offer for less than the retail price, which means they've already got the retail price crossed out. Yeah. But on Black Friday, they will give it to you for obviously even less, but they won't replace the retail price with what they undercut and sell it by. So it looks like that what is actually a incremental sales decrease on top of the sale price that they already have all year round just looks like it's this massive increase. I'm like, look, that's not actually that much more than it was last week. And a lot of people are just, they put on sale the stuff that they can't sell in the stock that they're trying to get rid of. So over here, we just use an additional ploy to drive sales going into to the Christmas period, which is why it's become, it's not Black Friday for us. It's a Black Friday week and a Cyber Monday week afterwards. It's two weeks out. I, I, I think also Black Friday is usually on, it's like mid-month. It's, it's mid-month. And it's the last payday before Christmas. So people are either buying presents or setting the money aside. But December's a quite expensive month. Like December, November is quite December expensive. does become well because if I look at my personal scenarios, that's when I usually buy the presents and then I'm going back home, so I've got to pay for travel yeah. and the rest of it. And then you're paying for New Year's Eve, you're going yeah, out yeah, New Year's yeah. Eve, also all the Christmas dinners that you're going, going through. Well, when you go out for celebrations, obviously, if you manage a family home, then you have to pay for all of the food that you're bringing in to yeah. look after parties and Christmas dinner. So, yeah, it is, it is always, I think it is always that tough month that people um, are worried about. And this is why a lot of people, yeah, but a lot of people just bought by. When stuff is on sale, people buy stuff that they don't need just because it's cheaper. And and I would imagine that there are a lot of people who find themselves having a sticky December because they've spent so much money unnecessarily on... I mean, to be honest, with the PS4, I just, I've just i been thinking about, well, maybe I'll get one, maybe I won't. Like, it's that, it hasn't killed me expense-wise. Like So I thought, well, it's in the sale. Mm-hmm. I might as well get one. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of people who will go and buy so much stuff that they don't need uh, with money that they don't have. That's the problem. And because it's being chucked at you so much and it's being extended for two weeks, then it's very difficult to say no to it. I mean, well, when you looked at the transactions that were going through per minute, 
well, Barclays put on the figures that were going through per minute yesterday, but they did say on there that they did include standard um, transactions. transactions that went through as well. well most, so like, I probably was telling you, most of the stuff they sell on Black Friday, um, most uh, old line stuff they're trying yeah. to get rid of. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh. And over here, it's more so of that. Yeah. Um, I saw a TV in Argos that I bought. So I bought a 50-inch TV last month. I think it was 525 I saw it in there for four twenty five yeah. yesterday, but they've got but the version that I've got they've got multiple models of that, so it would have been they've got loads of stocks in there, yeah. and they can afford to to get rid of that. But in other places where they're doing sales, it will just be end of season stock that they're doing yeah. toys and electronics that they simply can't sell. Amazon is is probably the best um, that I've seen for that. Is that when you look on there, all of the stuff that's on there, it's not fantastic stuff, but they just need to be get rid of it. Yeah. Now I'm not saying like I say I'm not I'm not hitting on on Black Friday. What I just found is this year the sales on offer weren't that great to which you will see so i bought a load of stuff off my protein site and i was talking to a friend he's like oh no i'm gonna miss this out i'm like dude don't worry they do these flash sales like once a month they're just they're just bringing them into the black friday week but if you missed out on the 50 percent deal don't worry i bought stuff on there only six weeks ago on a 50 percent deal like it happens all the time <laughs> okay moving on okay i don't know if i want to do this but take away from black People in Bristol are... Would you like wow. <laughs> wow, I didn't see that segue coming. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to say... Okay, so people in Bristol... Uh, people in Bristol are asked, would you like... Would you live next to a black person? So, now, so I, I don't thought, know. Did you I get a chance question, to read this story? I thought the question was more not would you like to... No, um, did, you get, did, no did you get to read this, this story? Did I read, I read some of it. I didn't read it so in detail. This, this, is, this is actually really bad. This is, this is really bad. Um, it is a rating, but it is the, the the article is clickbait. Okay. But that said, this is pretty appalling, to be honest. Now, the the mother of this is quite understanding because she said they're trying to do something positive and they've just got it wrong. Wrong, I would say, is an absolute understatement. The anyway, to, the path to hell in, is paved with good intentions. So there's an a, well, quick quick dissension there. This is like Silent Hill, open the ground and be sucked in. Um, <laughs> so, eleven year old daughter comes home to her mum in Bristol and says. I want to show you something and I don't think it's going to make you happy. Like, this is what they actually... And it's weird. She seems to have quite a high level of intelligence yeah. as an 11-year-old for the context of, of what is being put here. Now, they were in a diverse, uh, diversity class where obviously other um, questions were being asked. But there was basically this list that says, can you... They get, she showed her a worksheet and it basically said, rank your potential neighbours. So yes, it does say rank, but by yeah, ranking you're, yeah. making, but you're making a choice there anyway. And it's more about the options. So someone with a learner... This is a really weird question to ask children anyway. Um, it's a really weird question to ask anybody, let alone children. Um, so someone with a learning difficulty, a vegetarian, a guitarist in a band, a teenage parent, a hoodie wearer, a black person. Can I ask a question? Can a black person be all four? Black person be all four? This is the point. But this is the point of why this is this doesn't make sense because the little girl <laughs> couldn't understand the context of why a black yeah. person was put on that list. Yeah. Because all the rest of these do not... They show people of a certain characteristic or perso persona or uh, traits, right? Yeah, so yeah. somebody with a learning dif difficulty... Okay, well, arguably that's not a trait. That, that's part of them, right? But it's not as if it associates them to a certain race or demographic. Yeah. A vegetarian, what the heck, what is that even doing? How can you put a vegetarian and a black person in the same list? A hoodie wearer, well, what is a hoodie wearer? You could be a, you could be a, you could have learning difficulties, you could be a vegetarian, you could wear a hoodie and you can be black. Yeah, but, so it, but it doesn't make any difference because it doesn't, it doesn't bear a context. How are you trying to fit? Uh, I think they also put, in, in some of these as well, I think the list also included a gay man. 
Um, which which arguably they missed that out of the art. Well, it's at the start of the article they missed that out of the list on the picture. They okay. put, the reason they put the picture which said a black person is because in her um, screenshot that you put, she listed the black person as number one. Yeah. But a, a child should never be. I mean, one of them on here, someone with learning difficulty, is ranked twelve, which means there's at least twelve options in here. Um, now it's, I. She says she understands they're trying to do something positive. Well, obviously they are because that's the purpose of a diversity agenda. But they've so far missed the mark here, like. I don't understand how you can put... It, the question baffles me. It absolutely baffles me that you would ask that question in that teach context. But you're not teaching... So what you're trying to say is, rank this and then I'm going to teach you what it is. But then if you're going to do that, then what you should... And this isn't... You, you shouldn't be doing it this way. But if you're going to try and reference two colours, then you should put down a list of all the different colour and, and um, cultural diversities, okay. right? You can't mix and match people who have certain traits even or disabilities in this case, a guitarist in a band. Would you like to live next to a guitarist in a band, a gay man or a black person? What? Yeah. What? This is <laughs> yeah. just so wide of the mark. It is unbelievable. And the fact that they put, uh, what? Somebody came back on this and, no, Miss Davis, she did, in fairness to her, this is why I'm like, she's, in fairness to her response on this, she praised the school for their extremely speedy response and said they were very apologetic. Someone lost their job. <sighs> I'm like the problem is is you shouldn't you shouldn't I, I, I didn't know what to make of this I couldn't not put it in here because I just I didn't know what to make of this I don't know how that because this isn't just something that comes in this is a worksheet so and, and this is in in a curriculum that they've obviously looked over for diversity uh, class right and made it on the agenda which means it's not just one person who's come up with this this would have at least fed through at least the head teacher if not higher than that how could anybody not call this out and say well no this isn't even an acceptable way to ask this question it's just unbelievable. It's, it's working Introduce some people into a diversity. Because this little girl said she sat in the room and she feel she felt basically alienated and singled out in there. Because you're, you're basically saying being black is a characteristic, is a, is a trait. Well, it's not even that you're saying that. You're saying it because when you're asking somebody to rank who they you'd like to live next to, then you're basically saying to them, right, a lot of these are worse than the others. Yeah. And you're saying that a black person should rank somewhere worse off than somebody who plays a guitar or a teenage parent. Yeah. It's just... It's such an obscene question. It's a, I, I wouldn't even like to know what is going, what went on in the rest of that class, but yeah. Okay, moving on. Moving on from Bristol. Um, we could have segued a lot better, by the way. Just just to be clear about something. Black Friday and um, London, had. we just spoke about the London bombings. We could have much easier segued into Uber, which is a taxi, and traditionally you have black cabs and London. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought it'd be more controversial. I said black people live. It. Would you like to live in Alabama? <laughs> All right, so going to Uber. Um, so I quite like Uber, by the way. Um, Uber take the fight on take the fight on driver status. You quite like Uber, did you say? I quite like Uber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, quite yeah. like Uber. Um, Uber take the fight on driver status to the Supreme Court whilst uh, whilst they're appealing for the London license. Um, a couple of months ago, Uber lost their license um, due to we talked about this on an episode. Was it one or two? I think it's episode one. Spoke about it quite a while ago. It might have been if, if it was on episode two, most people probably missed it because that was such a appalling sound quality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Uber took it. So obviously, the Uber drivers were deemed to be uh, what employees as opposed to. Um, I can't remember what I use for them. I keep getting that word. Contracted Contract workers or whatever yeah. it was anyway. So, and we said at the time, this was just like Article 50 for um, for Uber because they've put it to appeal. But they've decided now. So, so well, well, no. There were two things that happened. It was the license, wasn't it? That yeah. was what we spoke about. 
And so they put that to appeal, which could go on indefinitely. That was what we referred to as being the Article 50. Then they had where they were so, where basically the, the report came out and said, you can't, well, the decision came out saying, no, these should be treated as employees. Therefore, welcome to the same employee benefits. Um, now, what Uber have basically said is they don't want to even go to, to, they're going to the Supreme Court with it. Now, normally you would go to, uh, you would take a couple of levels to get up to there. They've decided, well, no, actually, we're going to go straight to the Supreme Court with this decision because we want to wrap, want to wrap it up faster. Um, I'm still inclined to think that, that Uber are starting to waver and wonder about the value of progressing their business in London because I don't know, I don't think it's, I don't know whether it's who to benefit it's for to get this wrapped up quicker. Are they saying if this isn't going to work out for us, mm-hmm. we'd rather know sooner yeah. rather than later so we can invest somewhere elsewhere? So I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and I'm airing the one, I'm airing towards the our Uber starting to think about we may give up the go on this. Mm-hmm. You've still got cabbie and the rest of the stuff there. But but actually what came out of this was, so was there was a different story that actually came out this week for Uber. The decision taker to her and to take it to the Supreme Court, again, is maybe because... So this one, coupled with this other story, is maybe, again, making Uber question about where they operate and how they operate more specifically. So, in, so it came out on Tuesday and it came out that they had been hacked... And I think what's well, about a year ago that it happened and 50 million passengers and 7 million drivers had their account details accessed in October 2016. Now, the story came out because it says the chief exec has known about this for the last two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also the fact that, well, the fact that they had to pay £100,000 to hackers, well, $100,000 actually, to hackers to delete the data and keep it quiet. Now... <laughs> This seems to have relatively flown under the radar. I, I don't know if it's because of everything else that's going on in the world this week that has managed to do that. But it's not often... One, you, you often find that hack details come out. You don't often see a story where it comes out and says, actually, yes, they also paid the hackers to delete or get back the details and keep it quiet. So, so that was pretty weird. Now, if you couple this with the fact that they're being challenged on how they manage and look after their employees, and now... They've got not. They're not being challenged on how they look after um, user data. They've been hacked and they're paid to get it back. On both of those fronts, again, I'm looking at you, Uber, and thinking. And now your chief exec came in and knew about it and waited to release the story. Which arguably, yeah, you want to get your arms around this before it got released. But the point is, all of these are not spelling good times for Uber ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if you now start to... If, if, if I'm a cabbie or I'm a lift over in the States, I'm rubbing my hands together now and starting to push on real... Push my advertising agenda coming up to the Christmas period where it's going to be busy for taxis. I'll be interested to see how they do over oh, Christmas. Um, Christmas. <clears throat> I had Uber last week. I don't mind Ubers. I don't mind Ubers personally, right? But the bottom line is they face challenges and, and you can't afford to be operating like this and when you're facing these kinds my of My Uber driver told me um, they stopped accepting... Um, was it Uber Pools? Because did they even work? And because, you know, we we were in this climate of sexual harassment. What was happening in Uber pools on nights out? Girls, drunk girls, getting the Uber, and the Uber pool. Then a guy would get in the Uber pool with the girl. I want to get to know the girl a little bit better in the back in the back seat while she's drunk. And he said it made him feel very uncomfortable. Well, that. Is arguably that would have that would have absolutely hit the ball out of the park for Uber to be shut down as a business. And he said he felt very uncomfortable because of he he, um, he didn't want to be complicit in any form of sexual harassment or rape. No, and that, and that makes sense. But I, I never saw the point of that. I can't imagine wanting to look for saving a few quid. I wouldn't want to get in a taxi with, with John like Smith from yeah. down the road. I don't know you, dude. Like I don't have a problem with people, but 
I would rather just be in control of my own taxi. Like, so I yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm I'll be intrigued to actually see how much that actually works from increasing profit point of view. I can't segue from I can't segue from Uber to Zimbabwe, so I'm not going to try. Well, so we, well, we can break that <laughs> section out because we're pretty much finished for about speaking about the UK. This so moving away from the UK, all right, Zimbabwe. So we talked about this last week, and finally he's gone. 37 years after being in power, Mugabe steps down as president. Um, I don't know if we talked about this before, but initially he was supposed to do a, a speech to resign, and he ran, he did a rambling. He did a well, rambling. No, because when we spoke last week, because we filmed this on Sunday last week, didn't we? And yeah. At the time, we said that the ZPF party should be coming out to say that they're gonna impeach um, him, replace him as as the leader. But he came out and then said defiantly, said, "Well, only so much defiantly because it lasted twenty four hours." <laughs> yeah. Said, "I'm, I'm, no, you're not getting rid of me." Yeah. Um, and then obviously, twenty four hours later, he did step down, um, and Emerson Nangagwa. I think that's right because I tried to actually research some artists. Nangagwa. No, 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 no. It's no. It's not pronounced with the M. It's pronounced with the N. N. So yeah, Nangagwa. Yeah, because yeah. well, I, unless they're pronouncing it on the, the <laughs> you might be better, more fluent in it than me. But anyway, <laughs> um, he was sworn in as president on Friday. So he had basically, so he was sacked. He kicked all of this off because he was sacked a couple yeah. of weeks ago. He had basically gone into exile. Um, and so he came back into the country and was sworn in as president on Friday. And in the in, it, throughout all of this, all of the scenes on the streets have been jubilant. Um, one thing that they, they have pretty much been. Oh, no, um, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. Oh, oh, what, okay. I'm, what I'm shaking my head at is um, I don't think this will lead to long term. Well, this, this is the thing. So, what, the things that are notable about him is one they call him, he's got the, the um, nickname the crocodile. Yeah. And, I don't, and he's also tied to some atrocities that went on exactly. before, which he tries to steer himself away from. And I also note the fact that he's 76. So, yeah. and that doesn't, I'm not, I'm not having a go at his age, but you become ingrained in your ways, right? So, if you want to change a country, arguably you would bring, and he's from the same party as Mugabe and yeah. followed him all the way up to So, it's more, like an, it's more like an internal um, change of power. Zanu, it's not, um, yeah. yeah, PF. So, Coop. I can see that there would be some concessions to how Mugabe used to look up and manage and oversee the yeah. country, but. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm not sure that this is going to have the long term benefits that people want. But that said, if we think about the discussion we had last week, where when you remove somebody from power who's been in for so long, you can leave a vacuum of power, then maybe this could help to act as more of a transition because I think the ZPF are still up there. They're still they're still very powerful. Well, they're still very powerful, but they may face more of a challenge if they're still continuing to see that they're not changing things as people want. So this could act as because we mentioned as having a transitional government. This, I, I don't think this is the worst result for them. And they're, they're balanced. And they need to get stability back in the country yeah. to get everybody else on board. From the rest of the globe looking at it and saying, right, Zimbabwe's got this under control. Otherwise, they'll start to impact their finances mm. and their economy and it'll be a downward the economy spiral really they can't shit, get out of. Well, they're already bordering on just being like jump ones. Yeah. Um, so th this is what they're facing up against. So I think if this can provide some stability through transition i don't think i don't think it's going to be the silver bullet that provides no, the long-term no. positives um but i think only i think only time will tell with, with that one uh, i don't think it's as bad as when we've seen previous shifts of power where somebody is just displaced and this huge vacuum is left and then civil war out breaks out so arguably that is a, obviously a positive uh, in any instance but i do think this needs time to, to brew to, before we can see where this actually goes okay the so movement on this one is uh, actually more unfortunate news. 
Um, we don't have good news this week. I'm joking. Bombing in Sinai. Um, is that Sinai? So, yeah, yeah. So Sinai, Sinai, Sinai Mosque in, in, in Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. So, so this, this happened yesterday. Uh, well, this happened around three because what actually happened in the first, in two hours we had the reports of this and 300 killed yeah. and also obviously what had gone off in London which as we've consequently gone through earlier turned out to be nothing. However, this one wasn't nothing. So this was one of the, the worst atrocities in Egypt's history. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually really brutal the way that they carried this out. So basically, they carried it out on Friday prayers, and and the well, no no group has taken responsibility for this yet. But the reports coming out that the uh, shooters and soldiers involved well, I don't want to say soldiers involved, um, the attackers of this were holding IS flags. But they basically set off a bomb within the mosque during Friday prayers, had surrounded the mosque, and then when people fleed from the mosque because of getting away from the bomb, that's when they gunned them down. Um, which is, I mean, there's no there's no more or less brutal ways to go about some kind of atrocity like mm-hmm. that. But that one is particularly brutal in that obviously they've done it at a time of day when they know the mosque is going to be packed. Mm-hmm. They've not bombed the mosque to take people out. They've in fact only done that to deter them outside and they've strategically placed themselves outside to then plough them down, yeah. which is... Mm-hmm. In, in its most purest of essence. Yeah, I, I, I never understand it. You're, you're, if you are if it's Islamic terrorist, I don't understand it. Well, the thing is, and no, no group has taken responsibility. And within Sinai, there is a, a lot of unrest between different potentially terrorist uh, factions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thinking is, is uh, an act like this, it's not going to do anything to get any of the local population on your side here so maybe that's why nobody because normally something like this even normally people actually these groups clamber to be responsible just to say it was them and so it's slightly strange that nobody has come out and uh claimed this um but no that was that was particularly i mean unfortunately i don't know how it was responded in the rest of the world but i think that was kind of overshadowed at least in the uk because of what happened in oxford circus but the scale of it and the brutality of it is yeah it was it was pretty grim reading to be honest okay Moving to Russia, uh, Facebook to expose Russian fake news pages. Well, so this one is so this is slightly kind of it's this is moving over to some of the stuff that's coming out of the US. So this is around the world this week. We only kind of had these four stories. Um, this is the third of it. Um, so Facebook are now obviously they took massive heat for the, um, the the Russian collusion, and obviously they've come out and said, yeah, we don't we think it's ridiculous to say that this actually changed the election, which I still agree with. Um, but I think in response to the pressures that they've got, so they're basically building a tool that will let people see whether they had followed the the Russian-based uh, internet research agency pages, which were basically the, the Russia troll pages mm. out of the troll factory in, <laughs> in Russia. Um, so, I mean, I think this is just responding to outside pressures that should be available in December. These pages have now been deleted anyway. Um, I guess all it says to people is, yeah, just so you're aware, you followed these. Again, I don't think it has much material value to it apart from responding to pressure to say, well, what you made you, you and you basically made it sound less than it was when they said the original numbers, then it boosted up to 126 million. I'm still of the the opinion here that it didn't influence the election, but no, so that should come out in December. Okay, um, moving to the US, US to review gun the man that everybody loves to hate. Um, the US Jeff Sessions re- in this instance, not Donald Trump. Okay, US <laughs> to review um, gun background checks. Uh, so they've been calling, they've been clamoring for this for, for some time now. 
um, through the review of gun background checks, but it's not. It's not. Well, in the, it's, no, not, it's, not really, it's not. It's yeah, not in a way that. It's not. It's not a fix. It's not yeah. a fix. It's, it, it's, it's a not, step forwards in response, which is what I don't know about twenty five years late. Um, however, anyway, as I say, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who everybody loves to hate, he may even forget that he made this decision within a couple of days because he's renowned for having a poor memory. Um, <laughs> but he has ordered an investigation more to ensure that the database that has prohibited certain people from not having guns, so explicitly they are not allowed to have guns yeah. because the shooting uh, a couple of weeks ago, these were two people who were in possession of guns who were not supposed to be able to get hold of them. Okay. So the reason that he wants to change the checks is if you are explicitly prohibited, you will. What what this basically said: anybody who shouldn't be allowed to get guns, we need to make sure the checks work so that they can't get guns. So, okay, it's a well. First of all, it's a step to review the process. You don't know what the outcome of that uh, the output of that will be. Arguably, it's better than nothing. But I think the problem still is, it, it, okay. So if I'm I don't know twenty one and I haven't done anything to be prohibited from getting guns. Well, the problem is, is I may I be mentally it. unstable and I can go out and get guns, right? So the next step of this or a growth on top of this additional review needs to be how they fix that but because this in itself isn't enough. But also, if, you, if, you're, desperate, if, you're, not to, if you're not allowed to have a gun and you're desperate to get a gun, you can still get a gun legally. It's not going to stop you from getting a gun. Um, well, no, but you can do that in the UK. Putting, putting stuff in, putting measures in place, I agree with. I just think this is, this is, just, this is a, a very time response when there is an opportunity to do so much more. And and what worries me about this is that they'll do this and then it will sound like they're doing stuff. So everything about gun discussions goes falls into the just disappears into the ether until boom, in about six weeks we'll probably have another mass shooting. Alright. Something positive. We're the, not positive, but I'm using the best so of the, it's time for the best of the week. The best of the week. Okay. So we need to get uh, a jingle for that. Uh, the best of the week. Um so Donald Trump this week tweets no this week, yesterday last night tweeted that um, that Time magazine contacted him and said he may be man of the year. And he said, well... Well, man brackets person of the year, like last year. Like last year. And and he said, well, if it's a maybe... Well, no, what he said, it's a tweet read. Time magazine calls... This is his actual tweet. Time magazine called to say that I was probably, in um, capitals, going to be named man brackets person of the year, like last year but I would have to agree to an interview and a major photo shoot. I said, probably is no good and took a pass. Thanks anyway. Yeah. Now, th- th- so basically for anybody, so Time Magazine, basically their, their person of the year tends to be the person who's been most influential to culture or the world that year. It doesn't necessarily have to be for a good reason either. It can just be for the influence that they've had. So arguably last year, well, you can understand why they got Donald Trump. I don't agree with it. He shouldn't have gotten an award for what he did. Um, but you can understand how they reached a conclusion. Anyway, Time Magazine then came out. The president is incorrect about how we choose the person of the year. Time does not comment on our choice until publication, which is December the 6th. Um, so then uh, there was a couple of people that came out. So Time's ex-managing editor, Richard Stengel, came out and tweeted, Hate to tell you, but probably means you're not, in Brad Capitals, person of the year. They just wanted a photo shoot, but I'm sure you still have that fake time cover somewhere in storage. Um, <laughs> because there's a different cover that they've put up. However, the best part of this was, is that, and every so often he does this, so Andy Murray, who sometimes you can say lacks charisma. Quite dour. Yes, but on, on Twitter, every so often, he comes out with the most unique and perfect of troll moments. So Andy Murray tweets, 
BBC just called to say I was probably, in brackets, going to be named Sports Personality of the Year, but I would have to agree to an interview in a major photo shoot. I said probably is no good and took a pass. Thanks anyway. So basically mimicked um, him. And I think what that then set off was basically loads of people then done that. So I've got David Schneider on here. Hollywood just called to say I was probably going to be named next James Bond, but I would have to agree. Um... There's, there's loads. There. I think that then took off and people just took down that thing. But I, I just thought, I actually just like Andy Murray's response to that. That that qualified as best of the week material for me. You posted it to me earlier yeah. in the group and I was like, yeah, well, in our one-to-one chat yeah. and I was like, no, this is definitely making it. This is definitely making it in. All right. And then moving on from that, Princeton's dance... Is that Princeton? Princeton. Princeton's dance floor etiquette. Um, so Princeton has released a poster, um, Ben sent this to me earlier, about um, advising their students what the dance floor etiquette should be. So the first thing you you got you got you see a young lady or you see if you see well, a young firstly, man. Firstly, let's just be clear. The first thing you know about this is dance floor etiquette is do the fifty swing. Yeah. Like <laughs> as if so, anybody dances like that. No bumping and grinding. <laughs> so the first thing you got to someone, you first you got to the um, person you want to dance with and ask them, do you want to dance? And and they re- they respond absolutely. So okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's dance. So you start dancing, and once you're dancing, um. You say, I, um, hey, hey, are you still into this? I say, hey, are you still into this? You can stop if you if you want. Frequently checking on in your partner to make sure that they still want to dance with you. Um, Asking and waiting for an answer. Asking so and waiting for an answer. Like? You actually have to stop dancing and say, are you still into this? And then if they want to hold you up, are you standing there still all this yeah. time? <laughs> It's ridiculous. So, well, the thing is about this. So, the, the thing is about this. When I think about it, this is how you used to behave when you were, um, if you were in like, when I was in year six and everybody was standing by the sides and obviously you were, you were kids, right? So, you would go up to a girl and say, Do you want to dance? And if it was no, then obviously you would have the disappointment of a no. If it was a yes, then you would dance. Um, and then if a song finished, you would actually, actually, this is how it used to occur because you would be like, Do you still want to dance? So, this actually happened when you were, well, it didn't happen to me because I, I used to, if I had pl- plucked up the courage and I got no anyway. Um, <laughs> However, nonetheless, so I understand why a, uh, why somewhere like this feels the need to put something like this out moving into this time of the year. Because I've joked with you, what's going to happen when we go into Christmas party uh, uh, season, right? And it's probably going to be the most boring Christmas parties ever because I imagine it's going to be like old school. In my mind, like I've got an old school grease scene. You're going to have all the guys lined up on one side and all the girls lined up on the other ones, and nobody's going to be nobody's going to be able to go near either of them because they're all too afraid yeah. of what's going to happen. However, this, um, l- let me just so I thought about this earlier, and I was like, so at what point in time do we accept the fact that ninety percent of our communication is nonverbal, right? Exactly. So by the time that we're growing up, and don't get me wrong, we've spoke about this before, and I can't remember where I get they use it on the agenda. And it's, it's a word that is particularly useful for these but these bunch of douchebags who do not know and understand <laughs> how to behave around females right have basically destroyed the world for the rest of the males who do know how to act right so that's why things like this come out because you will get those things and if you let's talk about it. we're talking about uni right so yeah. you're going to get those ones out there who are just 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 sex crazy yeah. and they do not know how to hold themselves however we are now getting to a point where if everything needs to be explicit we overlook the fact that actually we say little with what we say with our, our males right? it's not sexy but, but this is but it's not even about this is not sexy you should be able to understand but my problem is is it's the bunch of idiots out there who are incapable of reading 
non-verbal language and just assuming and just taking that approach well this is just mine for the taking so i'm gonna go after it. and i'm like you idiots have just ruined 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 the world for the rest of us i'm 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 going to a christmas party maybe i should just not go but i mean i don't need to worry about that i'm not inclined <laughs> to worry but i sent you the clip of um demolition man and demolition man is Basically. Demolition Man was a forward-thinking documentary. Yeah, and I sent you a clip of Demolition Man, and um, in the fu- in the future, the transfer of bodily fluids is not allowed because of sex is banned. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, physical sex is banned. Like, the swapping of bodily fluids, so you can't yeah. kiss. You can't kiss. <laughs> you can't kiss, and you can't have sexual intercourse in the traditional manner. And the way they have sex is through VR. VR. And just weird flashes. And you don't really get what goes on because the way that they depict it here, they don't spend too long on it, but it's just flashes and it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But it's only like a two second clip, but they're just using that to back it up. Um, but also, so that backed up with the fact that when you use well, when you use profanities there, then you get tickets. I mean, first of all, I'd be bang look, take my money now, because I wouldn't survive in that culture. Um, I would be ticketed. I would be ticketed probably in my sleep. I wouldn't be surprised if I swear in my sleep at certain points. Um, but that is, and the poor and and the poor get poorer in that film, and the richer get richer, richer and live yeah. in a different society. And it's ironic there. how if we don't manage things in the right manner, we could end up in that position. But the prince and the the thing that made me laugh the most about it is it just it used that 1950s, 60s, whatever era it is in in um, the states, and used a swing dance. And I'm like, you do realize that even if people dance properly and and also all do it with consent right that that's not how people dance <laughs> and i think the final best of the week is and this should have been left to last as well because this is fantastic man um is, is it mad mike mad mike um plans to fire himself 18 um 1800 feet into the air to prove that the earth is flat first of all 800 feet into the air is not high enough to prove anything <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you, you don't even have to point it out. So, he is, so there's one point down here where... So he's sponsored by a group called Research Flat Earth. Well, that's creative. Yep. Um, he's optimistic that Saturday's mission will get him high enough to gather photographic evidence of the planet's shape. In brackets, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> and he plans to go even higher at a later date if the launch is successful. And he follows this up by, I don't believe in science. Well... I'm not sure how even if you came to the how even if you managed to prove which you can't that the Earth is flat that that's got any there still needs to be a basis on science. Which mean you don't believe in science, yeah. like so you believe that the Earth is based on a disc. So he believes to so, so flat Earth people. Oh, I need to go down to the bottom of this because I need to read through this. So maybe uh, the Earth is flat. No, no, flat, flat no, no, because it, no, because it, it deserves to be said to me because this is just stupid in its highest. Like, and the problem that I have worried about is somebody posted the Instagram post who I follow the other day on this, and, and I don't know how I'm going to deal with speaking to them when I go back home at Christmas. But <laughs> Earth is a disc with the Arctic Circle in the center and Antarctica, a hundred and fifty foot tall wall of ice around the rim. NASA employees they say guard this ice to prevent people from climbing over and falling off the disc. Falling to where? The abyss black hole that is obviously not the universe because sci- science doesn't exist. Earth's day and night cycle is explained by positing that the sun and moon are spheres measuring 32 miles that move in circles 3,000 miles above the plane of the Earth. Stars, they say, move in a plane 3,100 miles up. Like spotlights, these celestial spheres illuminate different portions of the planet in a 24-hour cycle. Flat Earthers believe there must also be an invisible anti-moon that obscures the moon during lunar eclipses. 
I don't quite know what to make of the fact that that is put down in words and followed by not not a majority of people, but a substantial enough of people for me to say, how can we have idiots like this in the world? And the fact that somebody wants to make a homemade rocket, which, let me just be, let me, let me just be clear about this as well. A rocket is built based on physics and science. But he said it's not, he said that's, he said, in his quote, he says, uh, he doesn't believe in science, science is science fiction, and building a rocket is not science, it's just formula. Formula is part of science. And the fact that you don't believe in gravity as well. The mind boggles that he is that this is okay, happening. So, so, so what's gravity? So, I think so, it's so, happening today. We, so he goes up in the air. What, I think it's happening now, actually. It's, it's happening about two o'clock. Yeah. We got up in the air. What brings him down? Oh, the, well, it explodes at the top and then parachutes are out. No, no, I'm saying, well, what brings him down? He doesn't believe in gravity. So what brings him down? Well, not gravity, because gravity is based on science. You, <laughs> just a word. That he, he may as well come up with a word. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't, I, I can't even answer the question. I can't find a stupid enough answer. I can't conceive one in my mind to even answer the question. I know about theories, but I know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics. What? But you don't believe in science? Like, what kind of... Oh, I just... I don't get... And to be honest, well, I'm looking at the picture of this research flat earth, right? I, I don't know. I think they may have just squandered up. And, and the rocket itself looks like something you would make on some children's DIY show. And when I'm looking at the van, I'm pretty sure that they've just fumbled together enough enough money to incorporate themselves and buy some shack-like van. I, I think they're probably about... I don't even think they're five people. It might only be him. This is, this is just... It's, it has to make the best of the week because it's so stupid, it's unbelievable. And if he, if he didn't... If, well, I don't know. If... If he said if this is successful, then they'll look to go higher. But surely if this is unsuccessful, you would look to go higher because you would have proved your point. The fact that he thinks he can go 1,800... Would I not have worked out when I've been on a plane? That the world, just, I, the, you can understand... I don't he's, usually he's, lose my control when I'm having he's these. Probably not, <laughs> he's probably not going to survive anyway. Um, if, 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 he's probably not going to survive. Um, that was brilliant. I just... Uh, yeah, exceptional. Exceptional stuff. If we had a, an applause jingle, he would get one. He definitely qualifies. I think he actually qualifies for best of the week on best of the week. <laughs> and I think that's that's it. Episode seven, that wrapped up. So we didn't have a lighter up one. However, I did start reading. So this week, you usually do what, what you read. So yeah. I went through, uh, so I ordered uh, Way of the Wolf last week by Jordan Belfort. Um, which is on his straight line sales technique, which I'm finding this a bit of a tedious read to be honest. It's a good read, and it does tell you value. It does give you valuable insights into the sales. Thing. The reason I'm finding it difficult to read is because he completely, he just almost negates to even mention everything that he did in Stratton Oakmont, which was morally at well and legally wrong right and he's coming across i don't sell anything unless i believe in it and this that and the other and this is obviously how he operates now and that's fine right but then he's referencing back to this straight sales technique which he used in his time at straight and i'm just like i would maybe like it that it's not supposed to obviously we've got the wolf of wall street for that story and this is not supposed to tell that but i do think i would prefer him to be slightly more authentic about the ways that this was used back then mm. because he just cites on as if this has only been used in a morally kind of right and correct way and we know 
good it hasn't so that's what I find a bit difficult I do. the actual information that he puts forward with regards to sales and how to set a pitch and how to, to get a, a prospect and, and the whole process of it I agree with him it's really good and it is insightful and it is worth reading I just found it I found it quite difficult that he completely negated or, or moved away not only completely negated but when he talks about stuff he talks the, the yes the way he is now but when you're referring back to these old stories you can't completely negate it so that was one but something that I did like I, so I started reading um, I don't often buy uh, well, I, I said that's a lie. I do often buy physical books, but I haven't bought one in a while because I've been right reading uh, audio books. Audio books. So I bought Tribe of Mentors this week by Tim Ferriss. So for anybody who's not aware of who Tim Ferriss is, so he has a podcast that he runs where he, I think, he was the first person to reach two million downloads on business podcasts. Mm-hmm. So he interviews people from different areas of business and well, different areas of business and achievement because he does people in sports stars as well. Um, <clears throat> And in his show, he will ask them various questions to tweak out how they got to where they got to. So he released Tools of Titans, I think in 2000, start 2016 maybe, mm-hmm. um, which basically covered a lot of what he covers in the show. And then in 2007, well, just this week, came out on Tuesday, he released Tribal Mentors, which basically does something similar, but he's emailed people out these questions, which are some of the ones he asked on the podcast and ones built on top of that. Um, but I literally I started reading it and I'm looking forward to it anyway I've only made it for like two people so far but there's one thing that he actually wrote in Tools of Titans which I remember reading it now and I tweaked this I, I kind of um, flagged this page again because I just think it's super it's brilliant for everybody to reference back to and remember at certain points in time so there's a brief clip here but he's put the superheroes you have in your mind in brackets idols, icons, elite athletes, billionaires etc are nearly all walking floors who have maximised one or two strengths. Humans are imperfect creatures. You don't succeed because you have no weaknesses. You succeed because you find your unique strengths and focus on developing habits around them. Everyone is fighting a battle and has fought battles you know nothing about. The heroes in this book are no different. Everyone struggles. And I just thought, and that's only, this is literally the start. He's explaining the questions that he asks and the reasons behind asking those questions. And as I say, he references back to Tools of Titans in that. But I think that, I mean... I'm relatively comfortable in myself that I know I have flaws. I know I have flaws all the time. I yeah. speak to people and I, and I get them. And never. I'm, I remember we've spoken before in the past when we've had different conversations. I'm like, I don't want to spend... There's certain things that I will get better at and I will try and fix. There are certain things that I'm just going to accept are part of my, my flaws, right? But this speaks to the conversation we had a few weeks ago about Instagram and everybody wants to paint the perfect image of themselves. And I think that you need to understand that even the most successful people in the world they have faults. They have lots of faults. In fact, a lot of the time, that's what led them to be where they are. So there's no reason to feel insecure about the fact that, I don't know, you've got certain traits or characteristics. So if you look at me, there are, there are so many things that people can pick out of me which are, are faults. The amount yeah. of comments I get with regard, especially some of the tendencies I have when it comes to how I spend my personal time, right? The amount mm-hmm. of times I get called hermit, the amount, the way that I be- behave, in not in the office, but I'm I'm quite versed in, I enjoy stress. Now, I don't respond to that in the most... We should we should look at it in a progressive manner, right? I think I spoke about that in peak performance review. But the thing is, the way that I respond to it in the office, I mean, I'll be like, somebody be like, you talk, 
he, who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm seeking expert expert advice, which is my term of talking to myself, right? And I'll be on the phone and I might be on people are sitting around me and all of a sudden they start looking at me because I start swearing off and then I'll unmute my phone and I'll respond in a perfectly calculated manner, right? Yeah. These are foibles of mine and there are other things outside of that which are all flaws, which I'm never going to fix. Yeah. And if I did fix them, then I would take away from, from what I am. Oh, and if you not. fix your faults, then you would never, and if you didn't run into issues in your life and challenges, then you would never grow. You'd live in a comfort zone right but it's almost like we get to a point where everything is out on show now so we feel so keen to prevent to present this picture of being per perfect to the world i don't think that one that doesn't help you as a person two that doesn't help the people that you're trying to exp express this image to because it's, it's like a domino effect if one person expresses the view that you need to be perfect, then the people around them feel that they need to be perfect to get up to the same thing. And all you ever get is these people who are perfect on Instagram and Facebook and all of their social media and miserable behind closed doors. Happen all the time. I just, I super like this. It's literally like, it's not even got, it's still in the introduction. That was like, I, I, I did like that. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Episode seven. So that's episode seven out of the way. What next week is going to be the first? Well, I saw on Sky Sports earlier they said the first, the uh, first festive Super Sunday is tomorrow. They might be right because all Christmas trees went up on Monday, but technically I consider festive to be in December. So why are you Christmas trees? <laughs> I don't know. They go. I think they go up like six weeks before. However, okay. in my view, next week will be our first festive show because it will be the first show in December. All right, cool. So that's episode seven out of the way. Um, like I say every week, please subscribe, please rate on iTunes and on all other podcast apps. So CastBot, Public, um, podcast, Pub, podcast Republic, um, SoundCloud, and all the other things. And you can check us out on Facebook now. Yeah, we've, got, we've got a Facebook page as well. Um, yeah, so. so we'll put the links in there. We've got a new little, uh, we changed the, the image that we've got. I might try and come up with some title images for, for shows, so. We had a nice new jingle as well last week. Yeah, know. we had a new jingle. We just need to. I just still need to work out how to plug jingles straight into when we're playing. I will crack this. This night. It's really annoying me now. So we. I think we look. We're basically, what we're seven shows in. We'll yeah. evolve. We'll get better. I think we're already better than we were in the first two weeks. Anyway, um, we appreciate everybody's support for for following so far. As we say, I'll put the Facebook page in the show notes. We'll start posting uh, some of the news that we see in there um, but also I'm thinking we might either associate a group to that as well where people can post any news articles that they come up with during the week um, and we can use them to bring up the show but yeah not too bad advancements for the first seven shows yeah pretty good that's lights out people um, see, see you next week peace <laughs>